Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. You may remember, you may remember a few years back, uh, I think the year was 2017, the Oscars, uh, Warren Beatty and uh, Faye Dunaway were on stage infamous envelope. Uh, Some of you perhaps recall they were set to announce best picture for that year, right? And uh, Warren Beatty opens the envelope and hesitates, right? Looks looks at the whatever information is on the envelope, uh, you know, and and pauses. Looks at Faye Dunaway. Looks off stage for some cue. Clearly he's surprised at like what he is finding there. You guys remember this moment? Uh, Right, so it's surprised and uh, hesitates again, right? Just clearly uncertain about what what to say or do next. And in that moment, he shows the card to Faye Dunaway. And Faye Dunaway, you know, just glancing from where she is, reads what's perhaps largest and in bold print. uh, and, And the words that she reads aloud are, and the winner for best picture is, anybody remember? La La Land, right? Uh, Only thing is it wasn't the best picture, right? It it wasn't, uh, they read the wrong card, right? Uh, This this, uh, um, uh, legendary now, I I suppose, perhaps awkward blunder on national television in front of like Hollywood's glitziest and grandest, right? They had read the wrong movie. The winner was, in fact, Moonlight. uh, And yet they had in this moment announced uh, La La Land, and uh, there's probably lots of strong feelings about La La Land as a musical and otherwise. You guys can have those conversations later. Um, but it occurs to me that, that that moment, right, that feeling on the stage of the Oscars that evening, I think helps, helps us into the Easter story, uh, into the Easter story this morning. I, I think it sort of nudges us to where we have to start before we ever get to the celebration of Jesus Christ as the resurrection and the life. And, and that is that we are notoriously bad at picking winners. That, that we, we as humans, right, are, are notoriously bad at picking winners. And, and, you know, this finds expression in all sorts of places in our lives, on the playground, right, when we're kids. And we're sizing up sort of, you know, who the cool kids are and, and who they aren't and, and kind of thinking about what we're like in front of other people. That's this, this whole game of like, well, this is what I think a winner is. And, and so we, we, we step into that, that game, trying to pick winners. But you feel it probably at work, right? We size others up, neighbors, coworkers, classmates, running mates, right? Who's going to set the best pace, right? Like uh, conversations, right? Like we, it's just we, as humans, it is, it is uh, as a result of sin how we are uh, bent and drawn. And we are notoriously bad at it, bad at getting it right, Bad at, bad at picking winners and at being winners, really. Uh, I, I came across a, a conversation about that night um, at the Oscars by a guy named Tim Harford, I think is his name. He's an author, English author, and uh, hosts a podcast called Cautionary Tales. And he picks up stories from history uh, where things had gone, you know, terribly wrong and, uh, or not so terribly. I know it's the Oscars, so we're going to keep it in perspective here, right? Um, uh, but, but draws out, you know, what, what can we learn? What, what do these teach us about, uh, you know, life and the world? And uh, he made some comments about this evening at the Oscars that have, that have stuck with me uh, as, as I reflect on Easter. He, 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 he goes on to describe, in a sense, really, the human sort of propensity for error, that we are just really good at getting it 
at getting it wrong. And, and he, he talks about that night as an example, that in that moment, everyone wanted to blame a guy named Cullinan, and he was an accountant. There were two accountants, uh, interestingly, and, and they are tasked with making sure the right envelope gets into the right hands and, and the right name is read. So there are duplicates of everything. They take different routes to the event. They each have their own briefcase, right? There's one on either side, and, and if one side hands off the envelope, then it's the guy's responsibility or the lady's on the other side to be sure they tear up that envelope. And that particular evening, I think Cullinan was taking some selfies with, you know, whoever had won best whatever, right? And he missed his cue to tear up the envelope and consequently handed them uh, one that had already been read, uh, on which was written La La Land for some other category. And, and Harford is like, we want to blame that guy, Ugh, right? Like humans, we just mess things up. And, and he's right. But in his conversation around that, he said some things that I just found startling, uh, startlingly re- revealing. This is what he said, right? We want to blame that guy, the accountant whose job it was to hand over the right envelope and and discard the previous one. He said, but Cullinan was just being human. He was just being human. Humans, again, this is Tim, you know, just kind of writing, you know, the secular perspective here. Humans are always getting distracted. Humans are always, always making mistakes. And then he says this, it's hopeless to demand better humans. What? This is straight out of the gospel. It's hopeless to demand better humans. In fact, he he reaches the conclusion that really what we need, and he'll develop it later, are better systems, right? That, uh, you know, we want to blame this guy, but man, this is what we do. Really what we need are better systems in place to to sort of work against that. But then he goes on to discuss, right? You guys are like, I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I start talking about a podcast I'm listening to and Jess's eyes just glass over. So hang with me, right? Hang with me. Uh, he, he goes on to talk about that. It gives other sort of more pressing examples uh, where the stakes are significantly higher than uh, an Oscar nomination or award. But he says that, uh, goes on to cite examples uh, of how humans, right, who are prone to making mistakes continue to make those same mistakes in the systems that we build to prevent them. So even like better systems are not the solution to the problem because the humans that are creating them, we're just bad at picking winners. Even when we put all the sort of safety measures in place to make sure we make the right decision and and kind of reach the pinnacle and either become a winner or identify the winners in our lives, we're just really bad at it. I wonder, I wonder this Easter Sunday morning, if if you have ever, or perhaps are in a place where you feel like you're just kind of caught out holding the wrong envelope, right? In in your life, Uh, you've done all the right things. You've got all the systems in place in your life to, to kind of make sure you achieve the goals that you have set. All the layers and safety measures and plan Bs and Cs and Ds are sort of kind of set up in, in your life to make sure that either you're a winner or you can pick a winner. <laughs> Inevitably, at moments and times in your life and mine, we find ourselves standing there with the wrong envelope thinking, man, I, right, this is not how this was supposed to go. Not how this was supposed to go. I wonder if that's kind of the feeling Martha had, that conversation with Jesus. I feel like we hear it in those words, Jesus, if you had been here, right? We knew you, we trusted you. We know you can make a difference here if you had been here. There's an ache there. But the truth is, and I'm thankful to Tim for helping me to see it, uh, we're just really bad 
at picking winners. I heard one writer or saw one writer sort of put it this way during this time of COVID, right? This past year, again, Easter, everything is a bit different. You know, we're here today, but last year, very different. But over this last year of lockdowns, he said one thing it had revealed uh, for all of us is that we're all just kind of hanging by a thread. That it's, in a sense, it pulled the curtain back. Everyone's more anxious than they want to admit, more afraid, more weighed down. Right across the spectrum, that uh, just sort of pulled the curtain back, and then this uh, this phrase that kind of stuck with me. That he said the chief reason that you believe that we believe the family across the street is sort of so much more functional than you, is that we don't know them very well, or not as well as we thought we did. I was running uh, with Todd this week, and uh, we were chatting. Uh, Todd works with children who have injuries, right? It helps them sort of get, you know, get better. And some of the kids come in and I ask them permission. But he said, kids come in and, uh, and that they'll, they'll like, they'll correct the way they walk or whatever the ailment is. They'll sort of, they'll, you can watch them. They'll correct it in the doctor because they feel that sort of judgment, right, <laughs> of the doctor's office. Like, I'm not that sick, right? And so Todd will sort of try to get past that, maybe a bit of humor, and then they'll relax and you'll see them limp or whatever the issue is. And, and it occurs to me, right, all this, all perception of the winners and in our world and in our lives, man, all of us are sort of correcting because of all of that, like, judgment, if you will, when the truth is we're all really bad at picking winners and being winners. Right? All sort of, you're just like, man, it's Easter Sunday, Matt, come on, right? Uh, but I think to get to the joy of what we experience in the resurrection, we have to sit here for just a moment. We have to sit in this place of confession and admission uh, that, that we, are, we, we are not as good as we think at picking or being winners. But I think, thankfully, Easter gives us an answer to that uh, tendency in your life and mine, that at Easter, God does something for us. He chooses Jesus Right, that, that with the resurrection, what God does is he chooses Jesus, and that's good news for everybody, winners and losers alike. Right? That, that in the moment of Easter, I, I want to suggest to you this morning, of all the things we could emphasize, and there are a number of things we could talk about with regards to resurrection and the power of God to work life. We won't talk about all those, but I want to ask you to consider one of them with me, just maybe one sort of nuance. I, I think the shock of Easter is certainly that it happened. Like we could all agree, it seems incredulous, right? To believe that God raised someone from the dead, like on this level, that is, that is certainly a shock of that experience. Um, New Testament, sort of a leading voice in the scholarship around the New Testament, N.T. Wright, uh, describes sort of those first Christians, Right? And way back when you're reading the reason they wrote bits of the New Testament and the people to whom they were writing, right? that group of people trying to make sense of, of why their lives had changed, right? why they were living differently than the culture and the world around them. N.T. Wright observes like, they would have had a really straightforward answer to that question. Why are you Christians? Right? Why this change in you? And their answer would have simply been because Jesus was raised from the dead. Right? The, 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 there is a shock, a change in, in the fact that it happened. Wright goes on to express, you know, that there would have been a certain amount of confidence in, in their answer to that question that they would have had no problem saying something like, I know this sounds ridiculous. I know this sounds ridiculous, but this happened and it's changed my life. 
And then that's probably a, a space we know that is a bit of the joy and surprise of Easter. But I, I want to ask you to consider that this morning, maybe the surprises that we focus on is something a little bit different. Not just, not just that it happened, but who it happened to. That a bit of the shock and surprise of Easter is that Jesus was raised from the dead. Right, that, that, he, that, that this particular person, I mean, this is the reason for the story of the, of the Gospels that we, that we find, like the stories of the Gospels, is, is they point to us, it's just, the example's a little crass, but that when God opens the envelope, right, the, the metaphorical envelope, the name that is on the card that he reads is Jesus. Right, that the one, the one who was raised from the dead is in fact the one who was a friend of sinners, the one who would die a criminal, the one who would wander the earth with no place to lay his head, the one who on Good Friday would be left alone and deserted, the one that no one in the world would have listed as a winner, that he is the one God would raise from the dead. Right, the shock of this moment, right? I think we could use the conversation between Jesus and Martha as an example. He raises Lazarus as a sign, an indication of the life he's going to work. But Lazarus' resurrection didn't lead to revolutionary change in the world, right? It wasn't Lazarus' resurrection that, that spawned a whole movement of people denying themselves and running into plagues instead of away from them to care for those who were sick. Lazarus' resurrection didn't spawn these shifts and changes, right? That it wasn't just that he was raised, but that Jesus was raised, that the one who was raised from the dead, the one whom God chose, Jesus, specifically and uniquely Jesus of Nazareth, was a friend of sinners, was in fact the expression, the truest and clearest expression of God's love in the world, the son of God full of grace and truth. That this particular Jesus, that God would raise him whom Rome would have dismissed as irrelevant, uh, religious leaders as unnecessary, that this particular person would be the one whom God would raise from the dead. Which brings us, I think, all the way into the story of Martha and this conversation with Jesus. This is a moment that happens sometime before uh, Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Jesus with friends, in the middle of grief and sorrow, uh, friends who are searching and hurting, wanting for things to be different. And Jesus says to her, as Tyler read for us, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies. And the one who lives and believes in me will, will, will never die. And then he asks this question, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Now there's an appropriate question for Easter. Can you believe this? Not just that the resurrection happened, but that it happened to Jesus. Right? When you're left holding the wrong envelope, all the ways in which you define winning and success in your life and, and try to plan for it and prepare for it, all of that, when, you're, when, you're, when, when some of those things begin to become unraveled and you're left sort of holding the wrong envelope, looking around, uh, can you believe this? trust yeah, that life and resurrection 
are found in Jesus. Or maybe, maybe you're here this morning and, and you're, it, it, we're, we're in the place of Martha. I, I love her reaction uh, in this initial conversation with Jesus. And there's a bit of honesty here. Lord, if you had been here, but, but even now I know. Right? So there's this tension. She's like, ah, you could have done this differently. And yet at the same time she confesses, but I, I know that even though I don't understand, you're, you're still here in this. And, and maybe that is the space in which many of us at times live and find ourselves. That tension, ah, if you had been here, things could, would, should be different. But even now I know. It's into that space that Jesus asks you and me, even there, can you believe? Can you trust that I am resurrection and life? Me, I am resurrection and life. I love her reaction here. I feel like she speaks more than she knows, right? She confesses to the degree that she can, right? Yes, I believe, Lord, you're the Christ, the Son of God who comes into the world. In this moment, probably in no way grasping what is about to unfold. She's not going to expect Good Friday, but neither is she expecting, even after this conversation, Easter Sunday, uh, Easter morning, right? And yet she confesses even beyond what she knows, There's hope in that for me this morning, and I hope for you that even though I know I am terrible at picking winners and even being a winner myself, the grace and good news of the gospel is that God has chosen Jesus, and that's good news for you in all of your merit and success and in all of your failure and brokenness that when God opens the envelope, the name he sees is Jesus. I think there is there in this bit of the resurrection as we sit with this moment uh, an expression of God's love even in this. I, I know it is, it is an expression of power. And for those of us who have been grieved by the power of death, Easter Sunday morning is certainly an expression of hope and the power of God to work life even there, then, uh, now, and in the future. But I also think the resurrection this morning for you and me is an expression of love. It's an expression, a continued expression of God's love that he would raise Jesus, whom the world would dismiss as irrelevant. Right, And that even uh, as you read the stories of the Gospels, the resurrected Jesus, right, as he begins to, sh- to reveal himself to, to his disciples, like we read in Mark. First, it's, it's these women at the tomb, weeping women who culturally would have themselves been dismissed. Uh, Jesus will continue. We read story after story of moments following the resurrection. Jesus showing up to speak to men who were hiding and terrified. Jesus showing up to men who had doubted, like Thomas, right? Just skeptical and, 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 and withdrawn. Jesus showing up to runaways, to people who didn't know the Bible, right? Luke tells us that Jesus, uh, following Easter, he, he shows up on a road and begins walking with a couple of disciples, and he's trying to explain to them. Uh, and and you know, they're familiar with Scripture. He's like, but you, you, know, you, you, don't, you don't even know, right? You don't understand Scripture, even disciples who don't seem to know their Bibles, even disciples who quit the business, right? They see Jesus dead, they see his tomb empty, they're done. 
They return to the jobs that they knew before. Interesting to me that not only God chooses Jesus to raise from the dead, but that Jesus chooses these people to show up and remind of this life-changing power. It's almost as if, all right, as we sit with the Easter story and the stories of those days following, it's almost as if the qualification for meeting the resurrected Jesus is being a really bad disciple. So much Easter, not only power, but grace in that moment, that the resurrection in that moment is an expression of power, but it's also an expression of God's love for us. That we're not only terrible at picking winners, we are inevitably bad at being them. But the good news is that God has chosen Jesus. And in his grace and his choosing of Jesus invites us into life and hope and resurrection power this morning. Still today, we were reflecting at Good Friday, a beautiful Good Friday service this week on and we've been sitting with this theme here at Park City of shattered expectations. And it happens, man. We saw Palm Sunday expectations just kind of littering the ground, broken. In the garden, the same thing. Repeatedly, Jesus kind of breaking expectations. And even people seeing the truth about themselves and expectations being broken. And that trend continues this morning. God in this moment shattering the expectation of all the ways and places we want to label and identify success and raising Jesus from the dead saying no I I am writing a different story I am choosing Jesus and then consequently you regardless of your successes and your failures I I hear in in that move um, words that Jesus will say to his disciples just a page or two later as he's doing for Martha and Lazarus He'll do for the disciples, preparing them for what's to come in ways they won't even know. He will say to them, because I live, you also will live. Not because of how great a disciple you are. Not because of, man, you've blown it, but whatever. You know, not, not, not because of anything you do or have done. But because I live, you also will live. It's a a gracious and gospel-filled answer to all of our attempts to prove our merit, that we are winners, to pick them, all of that. God's answer to all of that is a gracious, no thank you. I choose Jesus. And in that gracious act raises you and me because he lives, you also will live. I, I want to invite you guys to stand with me We're gonna uh, we're gonna pray a prayer together, and um, we we don't always sort of do this here, but uh, I, I this is a moment I want to invite you to folks if are joining us virtually. I'll give some instruction here, and I think you can participate with us as well. Um, but but here's what I want to invite you to do as as I kind of lead in prayer. So I, I'll uh, the the words will be on the screen. But your refrain in this prayer will be the same each time. Just through repetition, you will make the same declaration. And for those viewing online, again, that declaration is simply, uh, you just repeat, I am the resurrection and the life. Shall we practice? Yeah? We'll keep it awkward. Let's practice. You ready? One, two, three. I am the resurrection 
and the life. All right, so here's, here's what I wanna invite us into. So I'm gonna lead us in prayer, and I want you to kind of take into this prayer all the envelopes in your life, right? All the markers of success, the ways you think you measure up or the ways you don't, right? The ways you perceive that you don't. Uh, all, of, just all of that, right? All the names that you kind of written across there or the reasons you want to put your name there, all, all that stuff, right? And I know we probably all bring different things into this Easter moment this morning. But I want to invite you as we pray to kind of hold all of that uh, in front of the resurrected Jesus and hear him say to you into that place in your life, I am the resurrection whatever weight uh, you may carry into that space, hear him say to you, I am the resurrection and the life. So as you say that in response to this prayer, uh, just let it kind of settle into your heart and mind this morning. Does that sound good? Are you guys with me? All right. So you you probably don't even need the words. So just each time you'll, you'll say, you'll pray, I am the resurrection and the life. Father, when we find ourselves wondering why loss has come, we can remember Jesus' words as he faced death. Say this with me. I am the resurrection and the life. When we are tempted to give in to the lie that life will never change for us, for others, for those we love, for those we know or don't, Jesus, you say, I am the resurrection and the life. When life's disappointments cause us to stumble or lose our way, Jesus, remind us, I am the resurrection and the life. When we ask God to give us back something that we've lost, Jesus reminds us to look forward saying, I am the resurrection and the life. God, this morning, when we think we're not enough or that we're better than we are, help us to hear the invitation of Jesus. Say it with me. I am the resurrection and the life. God who works on both sides of the grave who gives us life now and yet to come through Christ who said I am the resurrection and the life Jesus would you work that life in us this morning in our church in our community in our neighbors and our friends God in those we know and those we don't in the broken places of our lives and the places we tend to stand on by the uh, merit of our own achievement. God, in all of those places this morning, may we rest in the truth that life comes from you. You are the resurrection and the life. Would you work that in us this morning, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.